This is Dawn Schuler, certified trainer and business consultant at the Schuler Group with the When People Thrive, Companies Thrive podcast. Today, I am joined by my partner in both life and business, Mark. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. And one of the trainings we offer is the Dysfunctional Communication Styles in the Workplace training. And we are getting ready to launch that as an online course. So definitely check out the website for that if that is of interest to you. And with these dysfunctional communication styles, Mark has devised the ways that we deal with them. And they are in four categories, boundaries, buffers, neutralizers, and deflectors. Deflectors. And it seems like it could be a fairly simple explanation, but like with many things, you can go even deeper. So Mark, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is to really delve into the differences between those four, what they mean, how you can use them, whether we're talking about dysfunctional communication styles or not. So let's dive in. All right. Sounds like a plan. So I think I think a place to start is a little bit of history. I, let's start even before I went to become a therapist to school, I'll call it that. Uh, and there was this big surge in the uh, in the mid 80s I would like to say around that time there was the whole codependence movement and people are codependent and that was this big buzzword and along with that was the term boundaries and people would say well you need to have your boundaries up in this situation or somebody just doesn't have good boundaries and that's a problem they need to go talk to a therapist or somebody and and figure out how to get their boundaries more solid so that they don't have whatever the situations were that were unwholesome that happened to them so that was all kind of what happened then i went to school to become a therapist and again there was a lot of discussion about boundaries and they even categorized them they had like permeable boundaries and solid boundaries, conditional boundaries, things like that. And I could get into that a little bit, but that's what we want to talk about today is kind of the evolution of that, at least for me, when I'm talking to people about how to deal with either uncomfortable situations in communication or just situations that aren't working well. And so that's why and how I developed the idea of these four categories. Now, these are not, when Don mentioned the dysfunctional communication styles and how we deal with them, these are going to be some of the tools we have to deal with these situations. So now we can jump right in. So, as we said, the categories are boundaries, buffers, deflectors and neutralizers. And what I think will be helpful is let's start with a brief description of those four and then perhaps go into some examples. That way people have a frame of reference and then as you go into maybe some of the examples, you can differentiate between, say, a boundary and a buffer. Okay. So... Very brief descriptions. 
a boundary is, think of a boundary as a fence, a castle wall, a moat, all those things that actually define sort of physical boundaries. And they're, and it's very clear what they are. When we talk about boundaries with interactions, human beings uh, communicating, we're talking about having something in place. That means if you go into a, a circumstance, you already have your boundary in place. So that's a brief description of what a boundary means as we're relating to it here. A buffer, I like to think of more as a shield, as a personal shield that you can pull out of your bag of tricks and use in the moment. So you're not, you haven't established the boundary, but you have something that can be like an instant protection if you need it. A deflector is... You know, and I talk about Aikido, but that's one of those things that some people know what that means and some people don't. But it's but it's a, basically it's a defense where you divert what's coming at you. If you have if you're having an attack that's coming at you, you use a deflector to move it so that it can go in another direction and not affect you. And a neutralizer is the idea that you already have some kind of a thing that will just make whatever the the offending moment disappear it's a way of just making it go away or 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 countering it so that it so that there's like a um, equal and opposite reaction that makes it just not be any not have any energy Great. I appreciate that. Thank you for giving us the those descriptions. And before you jump into some examples, one of the questions I have is, well, of course, we're, we're talking about this in relation or it came out of the work you've done on dysfunctional communication styles training program. And as you're giving these examples, I'm thinking this information on boundaries, buffers, deflectors, and neutralizers could be useful to all of us in any situation, whether we're talking about dysfunctional communication styles or or whatever it may be. I guess the question that I have is, is this information appropriate for everyone? In other words, if you even if you consider yourself a fairly healthy individual without toxic relationships or people in your family, you don't have a toxic boss, you don't hate going home for the holidays, you, you feel like you're a fairly well-adjusted human being. Does this information come into play and is it applicable for everyone? Very good question. I would say yes. I mean, there is that one person that, you know, lives in uh, in um, Luxembourg that doesn't need any of this. <laughs> but but um, the, the thing is, well, let's... Let's move a little bit, you know, uh, in another direction in that I would say that everybody has versions of these. We all do. They, they, they're, Freud called them defense mechanisms. We all have some version of this that, that we sort of fall into when we need to. 
We just don't know that that's what we're doing necessarily. But anytime you, anytime anyone interacts with anyone, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that doesn't have to do with what they're talking about. There are, there's body language, there's all these things that we hear about. And one of the things that's going on behind the scenes is a version of these tools to protect us or to uh, uh, keep us on track. And also to make sure that we, when we're socially interacting, we, we have something that's, that's f functional. So we're, we all do this in some form or another. What I'm talking about here is being more conscious of these and more specific depending on what the situation is in the interaction. Okay. I, I mean, that's my feeling too, is that since we are human and complex beings and genetically we've evolved or not evolved, there's the lizard brain still comes into play, et cetera. And the world itself is not perfect. So it seems to make sense that we would have these in place or pull on them, as you say, out of your tool bag if needed. Um, because even just a chance encounter at the grocery store could require you or make you feel like you need to pull out your buffers, your boundaries, your deflectors, your neutralizers. Right. And, and, or whatever your, however you make up what you do, you don't necessarily have a label for them. I'm just kind of nailing some things down. And the reason that we're doing this is again, we talk about dysfunctional communication styles is because the idea behind knowing if you're involved in a dysfunctional communication style is to also bring that more to consciousness, to bring that more to your awareness. And what that means is, well, let's, let, let's put it this way. If you have an encounter with somebody, and we're talking about this in the workplace, to bring it more towards the, uh, the topics of your podcast for the most part, this is about dysfunctional communications in the workplace, because you're, anytime you have a communication that is about business in the workplace, it's almost always going to be about getting somewhere. You need to have a, a goal. You need to have an outcome from that communication because that will forward the action in the business. So, what we're looking at is the impediments to getting that done, to getting whatever the communication is about and, and the goal and the result that you want. So having said that, let's talk about a boundary first in relation to that. That's the context. If you know, for instance, that you, that somebody has a certain style that can impede your ability to get the job done, you can walk into that encounter with already having your, your buffer in place, your buffer, your, your, uh, see there, I'm doing it, your boundary in place. And that means, for instance, I'll give you a small example. If you have someone who tends to drone on and not get to the point, that can waste a lot of time. If all you want is a certain piece of information and you know that this person is going to go beat around the bush or give you way too much information that you don't need to get what you want to forward the action, you could do something like have a set time. I'm going to say 
whether true or not, that I have a, a, an important meeting at whatever time it is you set and you go into that meeting saying, by the way, I have this much time. I'm going to have to leave. It's a hard stop at this time. That would be an example of a definite boundary that you're already bringing into this situation. Now, the downside in the example I'm giving is if this person keeps on going with a lot of superfluous information that you don't need, you may or may not get what you need before you leave. But if you get close to your boundary of leaving, you can say, by the way, can you tell me about this? You might have to be more specific about, okay, let's get back to the point. Let's get back to the point. But using the boundary of a time ending means you have you have a tool for getting there uh, much quicker. So that would be an example of walking into an interaction with a boundary in place. And if I understand correctly, part of your definition of a boundary is that it's external. Yes. Outside of yourself. Yes, it's 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 something that you have established and you and now again, outside of yourself, we're we're also talking abstract here because obviously there's no real thing that floats around with you and, 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 and is between you and this person you're talking about. So we're talking about an abstract concept, but we're, but you envision the boundary as being out here. Right. As so, something that cannot be crossed yes. or should not be crossed. So for ex in your example of, I'm sorry, I have a hard stop at 11 and as it gets closer to 11 and that boundary cannot be crossed or should not be crossed because you've just told the person that you have another interaction that you have to get to, it creates that it cannot be crossed. Right. Or should not be crossed. Now, I want to go back to something I said earlier, which is when you're even when you're talking about boundaries, that you can have subgroups of boundaries, like permeable boundaries basically means I'm not going to allow this interaction to to cross that boundary but i might allow this other type of interaction to to either cross the boundary or or conditional it, you could say there's conditional boundaries as well but i don't want to go too far into that because we're talking about these the the uh the four categories so let's move on to buffer and again i said a buffer is a personal shield and that's one that you have if you need it, but you, but you're not going into the interaction necessarily with your shield up, um, unless you are. Unless you are, but if you are, then we could then you'd almost call it a boundary. If you're going into the interaction all, with already your shields up, hmm. then it's more like you're going into it with a boundary. the 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 buffer is more about if you get a surprise attack, essentially. Um, if you go into a, an interaction with a person that you haven't met with before and suddenly there's some kind of Looney Tune aspect about them, that's when you want to bring your shield up and go, okay, we've got an A1 scenario. I need to have, I need to suddenly do something about this. I need to, I need to protect myself from an A1 scenario. Um, we could give a, we could give a real world example of someone that, both Don and I actually encountered not too long ago at a, at a networking meeting, which was interesting because we haven't been to a networking meeting in a while. So also our boundaries are up around, okay, how close is this person? Do we still have to worry about COVID? That kind of thing. Um, 
but this person was clearly a little bit off and clearly wanted to dominate the uh, the situation if they got a vo- somebody to an audience this person wanted to to hang on to that audience because not too many people listen probably listen to them because they have a little bit of a kind of a skewed view of the world and so i probably unconsciously pulled out my shield and again there was a couple things there they were actually physically close closer than i was comfortable with and so my shield was was also kind of a way of of uh, dancing i wanted to back up a little bit without him noticing and just moving in on me anyway that was a that was a clear situation where i needed to get my pull my shield out because uh oh i've got this a situation that i wasn't expecting what do i do about it so there's an example of a buffer so could you say because i'm really thinking about your example and it, it's almost like there's a buffer of space, whereas the boundary is a little bit more tangible. You know, a hard stop at 11 is, is fairly tangible. A buffer, at least listening to your example, seems a little more abstract and intangible. Um, it, now, physically, you backed up, but you created a buffer of space. Um, and I'm just trying to think of other situations where you may need to buffer it, right? I think of mattresses or blankets or your but it's that creating space and layers. Mhm. That's an interesting way to to look at it. Uh, I I may have may have deviated a little bit more than I wanted to by talking about this person with both the physical and the if you want to call it the the um the abstract or the communication aspect. The physical boundary, the physical, okay, and we talk about boundaries. This person sort of came into my comfort zone, more into my comfort zone physically. So that was that was when I had to back up or do whatever I had to do. But this person also was entering my psyche with some stuff that I really wasn't ready for or didn't want to have to deal with. With some content, just so with, we understand. Yeah, with, with some yeah. content. And that's where the, the, the imaginary shield comes in, where I'm just shielding myself against this stuff and going, I don't necessarily want to get go too far down this road or get have some of this stuff, this content in my brain. So I wanted to make that distinction. Yes, backing away was because of the physical situation. Bringing up my buffer or shield was to sort of protect myself from, uh-oh, I've got a situation here that's uncomfortable and I don't want it to affect me so much. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to next one, your choice, deflectors well, or deflectors. neutralizers. If, you, if in, in the uh, dysfunctional communication styles, that's the order. The, the deflector is next. Um, so the shield, let, let's talk about the buffer a little bit in the context of a deflector. You, theoretically, you could use the shield as a deflector. And this would be, again, one of the ways you use these tools is is imaginary. You imagine that you've got this shield. So you're actually um, not just having it be as much of an abstract. You're, if you imagine that you have a shield, some people benefit from doing that because it makes it more more real and more of an actual defense. So a deflector 
is only about moving something away. So if, and this would happen if somebody accuses you of something, has an attack, you know, whatever, I use the word attack, maybe not that strong, but if you are accused of something, you need to do something with that accusation, especially if it's not true. If you deflect it, so that accusation goes some other direction, you have the ability to address it. You're not, and what that means is as far as your well-being and your psyche is you are, you have a tool that lets you not take that on. A deflector means I'm not taking this on because I know this isn't about me. And so you can imagine that you are actually moving this communication out of the way so that you can fully address the situation and not take on whatever feeling or emotion you might have around that. Again, a deflector is usually something that you would have when you know you might need it. So that means if you go into an interaction, you might know that this person has a tendency of accusing or trying to throw out blame or whatever. So you want to be ready with your deflector. So you might actually have some way to deflect it that's out of your tool bag, not just a surprise thing that you use. All right. So give us an example. Um, well, an example. Okay. I'm going to go back to, uh, we're, we're going to touch on some of the dysfunctional communication styles. The one where you would want to use the deflector the most is what I call attack, parry, repost. And what that is, is offense. Those are fencing terms. And I used to be a fencer. And that's a typical foil fencing interaction. Somebody attacks you, you use your sword as a deflector and you move that attack to the side so that it doesn't, so it's not a lethal move. And then you repost, which means you come back with your own attack. So the deflector part is the parry. So attack, parry, repost. The repost part is, okay, I have kept that away from my being and now I can actually say, no, here's the real reason. So somebody accuses you of something and you go, no, that's not true. And here's why. So that would be an example of using a deflector in an interaction. Okay. I I know that you've talked about some of your experiences, unfortunately, with toxic bosses. <laughs> and so I know one of the examples I'm thinking of, I want to ask, well, what is this one? But you haven't done an example for neutralizer and the example I'm thinking of may be the example you're going to give a neutralizer. So just in case it's not, I've got that, I've got that question back here to say, well, what is blah, 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 blah. But go ahead and do your neutralizer and then we'll see if I, if, if I'm remembering correctly. Interesting. Okay. So I'm now, now I'm intrigued because I've had to deal with toxic bosses a few times in my life. Does it involve writing something down? No. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. So you've so so Don's got one up her sleeve, and, <laughs> and I went I went somewhere else. I'm I I will actually, but and what's interesting about this is it's not a neutralizer that's in my mind. It was actually something I wrote down. I and let's see if this is appropriate. I or no, I didn't write it down. 
Right. Let's get let's give the example had, of the neutralizer. Uh, uh, okay. All right. All right. Forget about that. Okay. See, she <laughs> took she got me off track. See, I, I need I need to I need to move back into the you know to get get back on track here. Um, so a neutralizer. If you're going into an interaction, and again, you know that. Well, actually, I can we can use the attack, parry, or post example again because if you. One way to use what I call a neutralizer is you already have the information that's needed for whatever interaction you're going to have. If you know this person has a tendency to accuse, attack, accuse, you could go into the interaction with the information that you that they're probably going to accuse you of and already have the proof before you even start talking. So that would neutralize their attack before it even happens. So that would be a way of doing that. You say, before we start, I've already done A, B, and C, just so you know. So that would be a form of neutralizer. That's a more, more solid neutralizer. There's also an internal neutralizer, which basically means this person's probably going to say this. I'm going to protect myself internally by knowing the truth and just having that be sort of my mantra so that I am not affected by this. That would be another use of a neutralizer. So I think that was the example I was thinking of. And I believe in the situation that I, that you told me about, your mantra was, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about them. It's not about me. It, am I remembering yes, that correctly? Yes, you are remembering that correctly. Yes. Yeah. It, 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 and, and, I, and in this extremely toxic situation... That was pretty much mostly what was going on in my mind because I was getting uh, um, uh, dressed down. I was being dressed down by this toxic employer. And I knew it wasn't true. And I knew that it was all about them, not about me. And therefore, I used that as my mantra to just keep protecting me from taking on what wasn't mine. All right. Um, and just because since it got mentioned and people might be curious who are listening, uh, the the piece of paper that you're talking about. Oh, yes. Even though that may not necessarily relate to the boundaries, buffers, neutralizers and deflectors. But again, it, it came up. So let's let's at least just explain what the situation mm -hmm. was and and that particular coping mechanism you used. Well, in this case, I had a boss that dressed me down on paper that wrote a note. So I had to get this note that had all these things that I did and or whatever or, or I was accused of doing. And in essence, that was a mistake on the part of this boss because I said, oh, I'm just going to keep this because I'm I'm going to give my two weeks notice on this job. And. This was, uh, well, we talk about something called the psychological cycle of violence, which is similar to the physical cycle of violence, except that it happens with words and anger and that sort of thing. And what I realized is everything was all nice, nicey with after the after that note was written, everything got nice again. And that was that was a typical thing, except that it was this time it was a physical note. And everything got nice after that. And so it's like, oh, well, maybe working here is not too bad. And maybe that was just a momentary whatever. And then, of course, the cycle came back around. And again, these inappropriate toxic things happened. And so 
when I finally, and I was pretty young. I mean, I was, I was not even 20, I think, and then. So I, I wasn't, I didn't have the knowledge and ability that I have now to deal with stuff like that or not even ever get into that situation. But what I did was I used this note when I said, I'm quitting. I'm, I need to get out of this environment. And everything got nice. And I thought, well, maybe it's not so bad. And then I would pull out this note and go, oh, yeah, it can get this bad. And so I so I kept that note and I read it whenever I thought, well, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I can keep this job, whatever. So that was and I'm not sure, like you said, where we would put that in this conversation. It it's not really in the form of a neutralizer. It was in the form of a no, keep your path because life is going to happen this way if you don't keep your it, it, i think you're right i don't think we can necessarily categorize it as one of the four but if we felt the need to do so you could almost say it's a boundary right if and this is one of the things i wanted to bring up is there's a difference between standards and boundaries uh and standards are this is what's important to me and in my life so in the workplace, it might be, I don't respond to email after 7.30. So a boundary might be in place that if somebody does send you an email, that you don't respond. Mm-hmm. And yes. if you're, because it's not a boundary, I don't respond, I don't respond to emails after 7.30. I mean, you, I guess you could kind of say that, but it's more like, this is the standard of my life. This is how I am designing my life. And these are the standards. I, I'm going to do my miracle morning meditation every morning, blah, 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 blah. These are the standards. Boundaries are what you put in place to make sure you can do those standards. Right. And and actually on that note, on the a practical part of that note, the example you gave is actually a very good one because that's a common issue where people feel obliged to bring their work home with them. They They feel obliged to answer an email as soon as it comes in and... I've obviously been guilty of that myself. Of, oh, I have to I have to respond. I have to respond. Well, no, you don't. It's an email. And so you don't necessarily have to respond right now. If you have a boundary in place, that helps you not to fall into that mechanism. So I just brought up something else. You know, the bringing your work home with you, well, for people who are working remotely, there's very little probably boundary between home and work life unless they worked consciously to make it so. If you have a home office, that's great. But what if you're setting up your laptop in the kitchen or the dining room and then, gee, all of a sudden work is quote unquote over and now it's time to get ready for dinner. But gee, the laptop's right there and you see an email come in and da, 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 da. That could be a whole nother episode on how do you create appropriate boundaries when you're working from home or even hybrid, and because sometimes you're working from home, how do you navigate that? But that's a whole nother episode. But I, and even talking about the difference between standards and boundaries and all that, that might have gone too far afield. It's just all of this stuff does intersect with one another at certain points. Yes. Very well put. Yes. Um, so one of the things I want to say as we wrap this up is I don't want anybody to get caught up in, well, do I need to use a boundary or do I need to use a buffer or, <laughs> oh my gosh, is it a deflector or a neutralizer? It's th- the reason why you 
created the dysfunctional communication styles and the, the program and identifying them as well as how do you deal with them is because knowledge is power. When we can define something and identify it, that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, psychologically helps us deal with it. If we understand that someone in, in our life, work life, home life, is exhibiting a particular dysfunctional communication style, and by the way, we all do, one of them or more, always, because we're not perfect, not always that we exhibit them, but all of us have that tendency, it can be easier to say, ah, that's what's going on with that person, or this is what's going on with me, and that makes it easier to then deal with it instead of the emotional turmoil that might come about. Yeah, I think that that identifying that this is what's going on to a certain degree is a big step. That's 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 probably the most important thing is identifying okay what a lot of times people walk away from an interaction and go what happened or why do I feel incomplete or why do I feel drained or any of those things. If you can identify Here's probably why I feel drained. Here's probably why I feel incomplete. Because there was dysfunction in that interaction. And either I didn't get done what I wanted to get done. Or it was difficult because we had to overcome all these different problems. And if you can identify what they probably are. Again, like you said, knowledge is power. That's a very important step. What tools you use to deal with that, you don't need to have a hard, fast rule about that. So wait a minute, did I use a buffer or do I use a boundary? I, I mean, I, I love that. No, you don't have to think about that. You just have to go, okay, I need to do something to make sure that that both the action is forwarded and I don't feel personally drained or emotionally uh, less than. I just thought of the metaphor of it's like saying I've got this screw that I need to loosen or tighten. So you need a tool. So you need a screwdriver. Well, is it really important that you know the name of whether it's a Phillips <laughs> screwdriver or a flathead screwdriver? No, it's the one with the X or it's the one that's got the straight line. Like I, I just I don't need to know the name of it. Right. I just know that I need this particular tool to mm -hmm. take care of this situation. And that's the, the purpose of both your program and information. And, you know, this episode is know that you've got these tools. It's not super important that you know the category or the names of them, but just that you have them and that you may need to bring them out in a particular situation. Yeah. And as you use them and as they become effective, you won't even think about whether you're using a buffer, a boundary, or a deflector. Exactly. Um, so as as we're we're finalizing, Mark, we've talked a little bit about the dysfunctional communication styles and the fact that we're getting ready to launch it as an online course. Of course, you're also available for trainings both remotely and in person. And we've actually done the trainings before you do lots of workshops on on this particular topic. Can you just give a very brief description of dysfunctional communication styles, and then we'll tell you where you can find out more information. Okay. Well, and and 
you're really good about knowing where that information is going to live. Uh, so I'll uh, tell. I'll, I'll let the you. Uh, where I'll let it you is. do that. Yes. Um, the, well, okay. So how do the, the problem is? It's kind of like opening up a a, a box and, I, and 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 giving everybody a peek and and but look at all this cool stuff. Anyway, so so I I'll have to I'll have to figure out this one, and and maybe just a little bit of history. This is not. These didn't come about. There's there's now 16 dysfunctional communication styles that we talk about. And actually make that 15. There's a there's another nebulous one that we haven't nailed down yet. So so there's actually 15. And these are ones that I have not just from being a therapist. Some of them I I discovered by in in you know being a psychotherapist with my clients, but many of them were just from interactions that I've had in life with people. And again, I walked away going, what the heck just happened? And I started doing the best I could to reverse engineer before that was a term, reverse engineer what happened. And that's how I started discovering, okay, this is kind of, this is, this is a breakdown of what happened. And that's when I started creating these categories for the types of dysfunctional communication styles. And again, more another important piece as we're looking in this box briefly is we call it a style because it, anybody can have a bad day. So you could have one interaction that didn't work, but that's not necessarily a style. We're talking about when, when there's a repetition of this, of whatever's going on that doesn't work. So that's why it's a style, not not just a, a dysfunction. Absolutely, and as as we mentioned, you know, we've done trainings on this for for our clients. We've done full staff trainings. We've done workshops. Mark does a lot of of speaking on this and and workshops on his own. And we are in the the midst of making it online so that it doesn't just have to be you know they got to grab Mark when he's available, but that it can be self paced and for you know individuals as well as you know. Organizations. Organizations and their employees. So you will find that at www.theshulergroupllc.com in our learning center. So check that out. It's not quite available yet, but there are some other courses available that you might want to check out and look for it soon. Probably, I'm going to say it's early 2023. I'm going to say by the beginning of second quarter. 2023. So if you're listening to this and it's beyond the second quarter or it's the you're in the second quarter of 2023, you should be in luck because it should be there. Um Mark, thank you for joining me on the podcast. It's enlightening as always. <laughs> My pleasure and thank you for having me. Great. All right, and until next time, may you thrive. <laughs>